I loved watching the kids this morning. I did. I just loved watching them run around and worship. Wasn't that cool? They're so free. There's no inhibition, right? Nobody had to give them instructions. Now's the time to run. Now's the time to play. And um, I really enjoyed watching Michelle's two daughters, Maisie and Kathleen. I'm getting the names right. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. <laughs> and they're running around, and um, at some point, Kathleen trips and falls. She didn't get hurt, but she got startled. And instantly, her sister was right there. She stopped running. She turned around. She reached down her hand, helped her sister up, and then came all the way around and brought her sister to the place where she knew she would be loved. She brought her to mommy, right? And the child will lead us. It was, just, it was just awesome watching that. Um, I love watching the kids. I, I almost envy their freedom and their inhibition. I'll tell you, tell you a little story. I feel so full. There's so much I want to give and um, that I really want to share with you, and I'm just trying to remind myself week after week. I have another Sunday. I can still... You know, I could share this stuff with you next week too. But I remember once in the evening I had gotten to a church and we were only there a couple of weeks and during the week I was praying I had this sense that God said bring bubbles to church. I'm thinking bubbles. I don't know. It just sounded like him. I'm thinking it's only bubbles. What's the big deal? Anybody been to a wedding where they have like these little vials and instead of throwing rice nowadays because they're not so good for the pigeons, they blow the bubbles? So we went to a, a local party outlet store and I don't know, we bought hundred of them? I don't know. We bought a whole bunch of, of these little bubble things. And so we get to church Sunday morning. We, we don't tell anybody anything. Worship starts. It's going great. And uh, Nadine and I break out the bubbles. We started giving it to the kids. They didn't need instructions. You give bubbles to kids, they know exactly what they're supposed to do with bubbles, right? They blow the bubbles. And then as soon as the other kids seen that they had bubbles, they came over and got the bubbles, and they started playing with it. Things didn't get a little hairy until the parents recognized, hey, where'd you get those bubbles? <laughs> And what are you doing with them? And as I walked around the room blowing bubbles on people, it kind of lightened up a little bit. And so we, we go on with the rest of the service. Worship ends, and it's kind of like this time. I'm, I'm beginning to do my sermon, and I go through my whole message. I don't even reference the bubbles. And I know that I can feel it. You know, you can feel it in the room. Everybody's like thinking, what's the metaphor? There's got to be some meaning. There's got to be some purpose behind this. What's the spiritual application to the bubbles? Tom, we know you're weird. You're going to tell us something about the bubbles, right? And I told them, I said, oh yeah, that bubbles thing. I said, we just did that because we could. And it was fun. That's it. That's the only reason we did the bubbles. And I think some of the parents there are still scratching their head trying to figure out what was that all about. <laughs> Kids didn't need any instruction. Oh, that we would be childlike. Right? <clears throat> Unless we become like a child, we can't enter the kingdom. I think that's a picture of it. I think it kind of looks something like that. I think so. I'm, I'm willing to explore some of that. So, I didn't say I have to scare you, but just to, I don't have any bubbles today. No promises about next week, but no bubbles today. <laughs> so, if you have Bibles with you, open up to Luke chapter 11. So, last week, as my first message as Community Church's new pastor, I shared with you out of 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And I told you that this verse communicated three of the distinctives that Nadine and I hope to add to the collective here at Community Church. 
One was to, I want us to be a people who follow the way of love. Some translations say pursue love. I want us to be people that run after love. That that would be our focus, our aim, our goal, our end. I want us to be people who eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. That's me. That's my heart. I told you from the beginning that I want to live a supernatural life in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want that for all my friends, too. And I find it particularly interesting, of all the gifts that Paul could have pointed out, he said, especially prophecy. And what I think that means is this. I think, it's, I think it does the gift and injustice if we think of it only as the person doing ministry shouting out words to a gathered congregation. I think it means more than that. I think it means this. Understanding the many and varied ways that God communicates. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to focus especially, as Paul admonishes the Corinthians, on prophecy for this reason. If there's increased communication, there's greater depth of relationship. Doesn't that make sense? If I can understand the ways that he speaks, then my relationship with him can go to a deeper place. Ah, that changes everything. So, when it comes to that, I have some experience in this area, and I'm happy and eager to share that with you. So that's a little review last week. Today, my message is simply this, that God is good. I want to talk about his goodness. I believe, and I'll, I'll try and hit on these three points. I believe that knowing God is essential to being a people who live loved. That knowing him is essential to being a people who live loved. And that living loved has to precede living love. It's pretty hard to draw from an empty well. If you haven't lived loved, it's hard to live love. And then I want to talk about the gifts of spirit and love. So, if you have your Bibles with you, open to Luke chapter 11. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 13 just to give it a sense of context, but I'm going to focus on verses 11 to 13. So Luke writes, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, how would be your name? Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins. We also forgive everyone who sinned against us. And lead us not to temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one on the inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked, my children and I are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Verse 9 says, So I say, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. I love verse 11, 12, and 13. It says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, even though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven 
give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. So Lord, I thank you for your word, for the truth and the power that's in your word. Lord, I pray that you'd use me today to speak your word to your people in a way that's life-giving to them. And I ask this in Jesus' name. So in the context of communicating the how to pray, Jesus points out that the Father's good, and he gives good gifts, specifically the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's kind of take that, and we'll put that on the side, I'll get back to it. So I believe that knowing God is essential to living loved. To know him is essential to living love. So let me ask you guys a question. You don't have to answer, but when thinking about God, how many of you kind of see Jesus as the good one, the Father as the mean one, and the Holy Spirit as the weird one? (laughs) I'm not alone, right? At some point in your life thinking... Well, I've been really bad. I better go talk to Jesus, you know. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll make a path to dad for me. <clears throat> you know, good cop, bad cop thing. I'm concerned as a pastor, as someone who's been a Christian for a long time, been in ministry for a long time, I'm very concerned that we don't know God. That we don't really know who he really is. Why is that? I know some of you guys follow me on Facebook. I, I posted this quote from Philip Yancey this morning. He said, when Jesus came to earth, demons recognized him. The sick flocked to him. The sinners doused his feet and head with perfume. Meanwhile, he offended the pious Jews with their strict preconceptions of what God should be like. Their rejection makes me wonder. Could religious types be doing just the reverse now? Could we be perpetuating an image of Jesus that fits our pious expectations but does not match the person portrayed so vividly in the Gospels? I'm concerned. I've been doing this a long time. I've been, I've been part of organized religion for a really long time and I'm concerned that organized religion is misrepresenting who God really is. And maybe someday I'll talk more about it. But in short, I think there are, there are many good-intentioned people who've distorted the image of God for reasons of personal ambition, for pride, and for a willingness to control people through coercion and manipulation. And in the process, those who represent God misrepresent Him. It's got to stop. <laughs> I want to see it stop. And I'm saying I have all the answers in any way, shape, or form. I'm the, the standard of, of a, you know, an honest and true representation of who God is. Poof, not at all. But I think that he's better than we think he is. I think he's more kind and more merciful and more loving than what most of the church is saying about him. <clears throat> Okay, so track with me. Personally, I want to be known by love, and I want to live a supernatural life. For this to happen, to love, I need to be loved. To be loved, I need to trust God. To trust Him, I need to know Him. I'll say it again. You track with me? This is what I want for me. I'd love to see this for you, too. I want to be known by love. 
When I die someday on my tombstone, boy, could that guy love. That would be awesome. Yeah. And I want to live a supernatural life. I want to live a supernatural life out of, filtered through, launching off of that love. But I've learned a few things. That in order for me to love, I need to be loved. Can't draw from an empty well. To be loved by God, I need to trust God. And in order for me to trust Him, I need to know Him. It's very hard to trust somebody you don't know. It just takes time. <clears throat> it's even harder to trust someone if you've been offered a, a, a distortion of who they really are. It'll take longer. So I'm hoping in our time together, in, in the next weeks and months, that for each of us, we can maybe, maybe sharpen the picture a little bit clearer. So do we, re <clears throat> do we really know him? What say you? Is God the angry judge? Or is he the kind, gentle, and loving father? The scripture says that God made man in his image. Yet all too often, I think that man has made God in man's image. And he looks a whole lot like our fathers. <laughs> Especially when they were angry. I don't think that that's the truth. So I'm concerned that most people don't know who God really is and that most believers don't. Another quote. I like putting quotes up on Facebook for you guys who follow me. Most more, I have, I have pages and pages of quotes I've collected over the years. And so I'll throw two or three or four or five or eight or ten up in a day as I feel inspired. I love this one from ben, Brendan Manning. He says, if we take all the goodness, wisdom, and compassion of the best mothers and fathers who have ever lived they would only be a faint shadow of the love and mercy in the heart of the redeeming God. Think of, instead of picturing God as the worst father example we've ever known, even now, just think for a minute. What's the best father, the best dad, the best papa, the best daddy you've ever experienced? That, that finest moment with your father, or maybe someone else's father, or a father figure. Or the, that best moment of a mom who loved selflessly, and extravagantly, consistently. Think about that. Think about that person for a moment. Now multiply that by a million billion, and we have a faint shadow of just how extravagantly loving our Heavenly Father is. See, I think that that works. I like that. I really like that. It's just harder to manipulate groups of people to get them to build your ministry if you communicate that way. <laughs> it's harder to manipulate money out of them or their time or their energy. So it doesn't sell real good, you know? But, yeah, I'm good with that. So I love that quote by Brendan Manning. St. John puts it this way in 1 John 4. He says, God is love. In one three-word sentence, he encompasses the, all of what God is. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. If that's not enough, verse 18 goes on to say, there's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
Does this sound like the God you know? Is this how you would describe God the Father? Because I like this. I want to spend time with this guy. And then verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. So if I want to live love, then first I have to live loved. There has to be some experience in my life. There has to be some connection, some impact in my life where his love is put into this cracked and broken vessel. And I leak. Sometimes I leak really bad. And I need him to continually to pour himself into me. And he's more than willing to do that. Press down, shaking together, running over. We love because he first loved us. How can I live love if I don't know he loves me? How can I trust him if I don't think he's good? Okay, let's, let's assume for a minute from 1 John 4 here that this is truth. That this is, this is biblical. God is love, right? And we can take that to the bank. We can trust that. Well, if that's the truth, then what application can we make to 1 Corinthians 13? We're all familiar with that. Probably every wedding you've ever been to, you know, it's one of the scripture verses read. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So, I pose a question to you. Is this true? If God is love, can we say that God is patient? That God is kind? That God's not self-seeking? Can we say that? Are we twisting scripture if we go there? Can we say that God, can we say that God's not easily angered? Can we define him that way? Can we put that label on that God's not easily angered? had a tragic iPad moment there. <laughs> I saw my Apple light flash through to the <laughs> Can we say that God's not easily angered? And how about this? Can we make the application that Scripture says, love keeps no record of wrong, that God... Keeps no record of wrong. Now, more messing with stuff here. He keeps no record of wrong. What do you mean he keeps no record of wrong? God's love. Love keeps no record of wrong. That's going to change my relationship with him. That's going to make it easier for me to approach him. Could he be that good? But God knows everything. Nothing escapes him. Don't you know that love is self-limiting? Every parent knows that love is self-limiting. Have you ever played blocks with a two-year-old? Love is self-limiting. Have you ever jumped rope or ran around the block or colored with a five-year-old? Love is self-limiting. You could paint perfectly. You could color perfectly inside the lines. But it's not about you at that moment. It's about them. Love is self-limiting. 
Love keeps no account of wrongs. I think God's really good. Can we say that God always protects, that he always trusts, that he always perseveres, that he always hopes, and that he never fails? I think those are good questions to ask. I'm going there. I, I challenge you to ask yourselves and see if there's some biblical truth in that. So is this the Heavenly Father you know? Well, if not, you're, you're not alone. From the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, the Father's been misrepresented. This is not a new thing. The issue in the Garden wasn't temptation to sin. That wasn't what was going on there. I mean, that was part of it, but that's not the main issue. What was going on in the Garden was, a, was an attack on relationship. It was an attack on trust. Indeed, has God said? Said the serpent in Genesis 3.1. In Genesis 3.5, he says, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil, insinuating that he's holding out on you. He doesn't have your best interests at heart. You can't trust him. From the beginning... The attack, the misrepresentation of the Father has been this, that he's not trustworthy. And it's a lie. And it's a deception. And it's the same attack today. And here's the problem. Where there's no trust, there's no relationship. There's certainly no intimate relationship. There's no depth of relationship without trust. Trust is at the core of our ability to live loved. Can we trust him? And for that reason, I believe that from the beginning and to this day, the true nature and character of God has been distorted. I want to know him as he really is. The cry of my heart is that we would know the truth about God's nature and character. And that it would set us free, that we would know that truth. And it would set us free. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. It's not only that he's lavished love on us, it's a great love. And not only has he offered this great love, but he's giving it to us in overwhelming abundance. I don't believe that any of us could ever come to the end of his love for us. His love is enormous. Oh, I have stories to tell. One of these days I have, I call it my 1111 story, not today. But I will tell you an 1111 story that speaks to me about the height and width and length and depth of God's love. Living loved to live love. Now, raising children, I love the kids here today. I just so much enjoyed watching them play. When it comes to raising children, we recognize the importance of a loving home environment. Isn't that what we all want for our kids? But we know that that's what's best for them. The health and life and freedom that's afforded a child who's raised in a, in a place where they're secure in love priceless. So then how much more our relationship with God? 
If we can live in a place where we're secure in His love for us, it's a game changer. It changes your mind. It changes the way you think about yourself, the way you look at life. If I'm secure in that love. You know, it's so much easier to take risks if I'm secure in that love. It's so much easier to make mistakes. It's easier to fail if I'm secure in His love for me. And not think that that love is hinged upon my, my performance. And the ability to live love, to recognize his love for us, it's an internal thing, not an external thing. I know rich kids who've lived in loveless homes. And I know poor kids who've been loved extravagantly. One of the ways that God's blessed me in my life is with the, the mom that I had. Now, she suffered horrifically in her body. She, she was broken. She unfortunately passed away at just 49 after about a 20-year battle with heart disease. And so physically, she couldn't go to the events or, or engage in things and be there you know, for us in ways that you would typically expect mom to be there. But you know what? She had this amazing capacity to love people. She can love like nobody's business. It wasn't an external thing for her. It was an internal thing. You could not walk away from her without knowing that you've been loved. Like 500 people showed up at her funeral because she had somehow touched all their lives. It wasn't an external thing. She grew up dirt poor. Her and my dad got married at 17 because I was their inspiration. <laughs> Not nearly as socially acceptable in 1959 as it is today. She was sick her whole life. Dad worked two or three jobs just to get us by. We had none of the externals, but Mom, oh man, she knew how to love. So love's an... You know, living loved is an internal, it's not an external thing. Living loved is not about how much stuff you have or your circumstances. It transcends the circumstances, as significant as they are in our lives. Jesus was born in a manger, right? Pretty crummy circumstances, not the way I'd have planned it. But there's no doubt that his father loved him perfectly. And you know that his mother loved that little boy. Manger or not. Living loved is not about the outside, it's about the inside. So I don't know if I've shared this yet, but I want to give you Tom Zawacki's two undeniable truths of the universe. Are you ready? You might want to write this down. <laughs> Number one, this God is good. That's the title of today's message. Number one, the number one undeniable truth of the universe is God is good. Number two is this, he loves me. Everything else begins at number three. Number one, God is good. Number two, he loves me. Everything else begins at number three. Now I wish I could sit here this morning and tell you, came up with that myself, I was personally inspired because I have this awesome relationship with God, but... That would be a lie. The truth is, I learned the, these two undeniable truths from a very, very, very good friend of mine. 
And we were both sitting in the basement of his house, mostly crying, mostly not talking, because we just buried his eight-year-old daughter that day after a long battle with cancer. And at one point, you know, what do you say in a moment like that? The Christian cliches are just not going to cut it in that moment. And thank God he gave me enough grace. There was enough relationship between Jim and I that I just kept my mouth shut. And we sat together. And we cried together. And at one point, after a long time, Jim looked at me and says, Tom, I only know two things right now. I don't know anything else. He says, I know that God's good. He says, I know that God loves me. I don't know anything else. I feel the weight of those words even now as I repeat the story. This is a long time ago. God is good. And he loves me. Everything else begins at number three. Every one of our circumstances begins at number three. So I'm on this journey. This is what I'm working toward. That I choose not to judge God, not to judge his goodness, not to judge his love for me by the circumstances of my life. That drives me crazy. It does. When I go there, it's a very unhappy place. I feel completely untethered. However, in those moments when I can turn that around, and I, and I keep as number one that God's good, and number two that he loves me, and everything else at number three, when I, when I judge my circumstances in light of the truth of his goodness, and the truth of his love for me, I can go on. I have strength where I'm, where I'm weak. I feel more whole where I'm broken. I can do what I think otherwise would be impossible. Even if all it means is putting one foot in front of the other. Because I know he's good. Because I know he loves me. I'm trying to put some, some feet on this. I'm trying to put the rubber to the road. How do I live love? How does one of the ways that this fleshes out in my life? By keeping those two undeniable truths of the universe set in my heart. And now it's a struggle. Sometimes circumstances are really, really bad. First time I got cancer. <laughs> it was really hard to keep that number three. And then the second time it came back, who? It was really, really hard for us to keep it number three. But I feel better about it today. <laughs> it got me through. It'll get you through too. Remember that he's good. No matter what your circumstances are today, he loves you. And there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you can do for him that's going to change the measure of his love. There's no failure you can engage in that will change the measure of his love for you. That never changes. Secure in his love, I can love. I love because he first loved. Okay, so I, I started all this with the verses from Luke 11 and it's talking about the gifts. If God is love, and I believe that that's truth, his gifts were never intended to be expressed lovelessly. If God is love, if that's his nature and his character, his gifts were never intended to be expressed in a form or a fashion that's void of love. I don't see how it's possible. Not from his perspective. Now it gets filtered through us. We're wounded, broken people. And we do bad things. And we misrepresent him. 
And one of the ways we misrepresent him is the way we, that we misuse his gifts. And so we take the gifts that he's given us and we use them, especially prophetic gifts. Been around that for a while. And we communicate them lovelessly. Listen to me, that's not God. Even if the person got an accurate revelation, they did not communicate it with his heart. If we're going to be messengers for him in any way, shape, or form, it has to be more than the words on a page. It has to be more than just the verbiage. It has to have the heart. I'm not communicating well his message if I do it without his heart attached to it. Doesn't that make sense? God is love. His gifts were never intended to be expressed lovelessly. I think when that happens, especially when it happens with prophetic ministry, it distorts the image of God horribly. I don't think it has to be that way. I think we can do a much better job of it. Humbly, I think part of the reason why God's had me on the 30-some-odd journey, year journey that I've been on is for some of this truth. That not only can we operate in his gifts, but that we can operate his gifts lovingly and not lovelessly. So not only have we distorted the view of the Father, in the process of doing that, we've distorted the view of the gifts. Paul straightens it out back in 1 Corinthians 13. He straightens it out. He says, By speaking the tongues of men or angels and do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. This only works. The gifts only work when love's in place first. Scariest verses in the Bible, Matthew 7. He said, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out many demons and heal the sick. He says, away from me. I never knew you. <coughs> Horrifying. Because it's not about what we do. It's about that knowing. Right? That word know there is gnosko. And it kind of is the parallel of the Hebrew word yada, which means an intimate knowing. An intimate, experiential, relational knowing. Like the knowing that Adam had with Eve and she conceived and gave birth an intimate, intimate personal knowing he, Jesus said, yeah, you did all this stuff with the gifts, but we had no relationship I, I don't know you away from me, you evildoers stop the train I, I don't want that and I don't think we have to choose For some in the church, the answer has been, well, you know what? We're just going to focus on love, and we'll take the gifts of the Spirit, and we'll just forget about them. We'll just push them off to the side, because they're really, really messy. And I think we lose so much when we do that. I would rather do the hard work of saying, you know what? We can have both. We can love one another, we can love God, and we can operate in the amazingly, in amazing gifts that he's extended to us. Hmm. 
even more than that, I believe that it's possible that we could take this thing to a whole other level. That we can combine the love of God with the gifts of God and learn how to love people in new and dynamic and exciting ways that we never have before. So back to that main text, verse 11 and 13. If you then, though you are evil, Jesus says, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? If we ask him for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give us a demon. Because he's good. And he loves us. If we ask him for the Holy Spirit, he'll give us the Holy Spirit. Because he's a really good dad. So as broken as most of us are, we know how to give good stuff to our kids. I believe God's good. I believe we, he loves us. I believe we can trust him. And when we ask him for the Holy Spirit, he'll give us good things. So I, um, I want to go for that. I think it's at least part of the reason why we're here. To explore a loving expression of God's good gifts. Now for some of you that may be new for others, I'm sure this is just old familiar stuff. My heart is to stretch us in loving and kind and humble ways. And I want you to know as we go there, I share some stories with you. I know I've had some unusual experiences. I want to be an open book. This is who I am. This is what's really happened to me. And it's really happened to me. And I think he's allowed some of these things to happen to me because I am the least likely of people. I, my life would be this testimony to you. God could do that with him. He could surely do it with me. That's why I tell the stories. Because what he did with me isn't just, he's no respecter of person. I'm not some super Christian. Not, not, not at all. I'm a regular guy. Maybe he'll tell you. <laughs> if he did it with me, he'll do it with you. And questions are always welcome, even encouraged. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, I ask that you would help us to know the truth about who you are and about your love for us. Father, help us to know the truth, the accurate unfiltered truth of who you actually are and of your great and lavish love for us. Lord, I pray that we'd know that truth and it would set us free. I pray for each of us here that you would reveal to us personally your goodness, that you'd reveal to us your love in ways that we'll recognize and it's you. And Father, we trust you. And we ask this morning, as the pastor I ask, and as a community, Lord, we ask that you would give us the Holy Spirit. And that we'd experience your Spirit in the way that you intended. Do that for us, Lord. Do it, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you, would, um, that you would release the gifts of your spirit here. I pray for my brothers and sisters gathered. Lord, that you would open their eyes to see in new ways. Open their ears to hear. Lord, I ask that you would release dreams 
That you would speak to us in our dreams. That you'd give us visions. Father, some of us have been here, have been Christians a long time. Lord, would you take us further? Would you stretch us? Would you enlarge the place of our tent? Would you stretch our tent curtains wide? And then would you fill that place up with yourself? We ask for more of you. We ask for more of you, oh God. Is there anybody here who needs prayer today? I know we have a prayer team, right? So if there, there are four members on the prayer team today, would you guys come forward if you are? Just kind of line up here. Thank you. I got two. Can I get two more? Two, two, two. We got three. One more. Give me one. There we go. So if you have need today, your friends are here. They love you. They want to pray for you. I'll be happy to pray for you guys too. I love you. I'm your friend. I want to pray for you too. So bless us uh, this day. I pray that we'd have a good week. That your presence would come and and rest on the island. You bless the relationships that we have here with one another. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you guys.